0: Hello there! Welcome back to another London and Limes podcast. I'm your host Len McNeil, and today we'll be recapping UFC two ninety seven. As we take a look at recapping UFC two ninety seven, we saw Pennington become the new women's bantamweight champ in a snooze fest. Not, we're not even going to talk about the rest of that fight. As we saw, Myra and Silva laying down, losing the entire fight. She decided to lay down without a care in the world. And when you do that in a championship fight, I would say you deserve to lose. Now, Chris Curtis got back in the win column in a in a split decision win. Mozart won a controversial UD, 29 against Arnold Allen. Now, first of all, I would say Arnold Allen actually took the fight for me. I had him winning round one and round three. But where the controversy came was in, was in the point to where in round three... He stepped up and he hit Mozart with three knees, three knees in the head. And now this is the rule that people refer to as the Aljo rule. When you're lifting your, when you're baiting them into throwing that knee, baiting them into throwing that illegal knee. Now my personal take is if the fighter has his hand and knee on the ground at once, then he's defenseless as you're, you're not in the position to get kneed. But... When you're like Mozart in this fight and you're lifting your hand off off the ground and putting it back on, trying to bait your opponent into throwing the knee, how is that illegal from hitting him with the knee when you're baiting him? Your fingertips on the ground, as the rule also got changed. That was a so going back to that fight, that was a terrible call out by Mark Goddard. Now Mark Goddard, as I would Mark Goddard for some reason on fight nights, decides to be a great referee great referee on fighting. I saw it in the Walker versus Ankoli fight. He stopped the fight. Perfect timing. That's what I call perfect stoppage. But we see him. Main card. Dude, I feel like the guy just forgets how to ref fights. He just feels like sometimes he just how do I ref again? It's just terrible from him sometimes. But So we saw Mozart take that fight. And then, but, and then here's what I also want to go back to in that fight. It's we had Mozart winning 29-28 rounds 1-2. But Rounds one, he won through it. Now round two, he won good round. He stunned down on the feet with a jab and a hook. But round one, when you land a takedown, and we're gonna get into this later in the in the Strickland versus Duplisey fight, when you land a takedown and you do nothing with it, how is that anything? Especially when it's countered instantly. Like so, I mean, there is offensive wrestling. So Marab versus Jan. We saw Marab being able to successfully take Jan down, control him when he gets to take him down. But he's also doing clinch work in that. Mozart's doing no clinch work. He's getting Alan's rolling on the ground. He's trying to. He's trying to sprawl away. Mozart is going after him, but to me, it's, it's it shouldn't. It should barely count as anything. It just, especially when it's getting countered. I know people are, have said this before, but how is getting a takedown? And doing nothing with it counted as anything. As, as we see, decisions go different ways all the time with this rule. And it's usually Sal Diamato and Chris Lee, they're clearly main referees for these cards. And somehow they always flip up on the rule. So we see in Jan Blahovic versus Pereira. Ferreira, Blahovic takedowns in two in th- rounds. Rounds got a takedown at the end of round three. Control him for about a minute. Did nothing with the takedown, but did he lay on top of him in a close round for that minute? He did lay on top of him. So how would, so now we look at it, Jan versus O'Malley. O'Malley. Jan gets these takedowns on O'Malley successfully, offensive wrestling, but he never hit O'Malley when he was on the ground. So how would that count as anything? But, when these, but for some reason when it seems the Dagestani fighters are wrestling like this and they get the takedown, they win the round automatically. It's just, it's hard to really say that should count as anything. If the round's almost tied on significant strikes, you have to feel, obviously, then you can go to it. But in a round that still, I feel Allen had the advantage on the feet with jabs and his two, I just feel that that should not count as anything. Or even a 10-10 kind of round. I know that's really rare in MMA, but if someone gets up instantly, just, especially when they're already countering, they're already defending a lot of your takedowns, shouldn't really count as... That's too much. Um. But now let's take a look. Now we take a look at Neil never lose twice in a row. Magny, getting an I, un crazy compromise win against Mike Mela. I mean, Mike came in as the hometown heavy favorite. I mean, and when the UFC wants someone to win, they put him against Neil Magny. I mean, saw They put job cut against Neil Magny. The Neil, they put Ian Gary against Neil Magny. They, when they want you to win, they put you against Neil Magny. Now, Neil never lose twice in a row Magny. He has only lost twice in a row once in his UFC career back over a decade ago. Obviously coming off the UD loss to Gary. But, I mean, I, Maylock controlled him for four minutes and four, for 14 minutes pretty much. Or 13 minutes then. He... He um, decided to, what seemed, go for a guillotine. Uh, it was hard to really decide. And then Magny dumped him, slammed him. Almost got a slam. Ma- Mike was able to keep his head off the- from hitting the ground, which was lucky. And then Ma- then Mike rolled over terribly into, a, into back control, where Neil Magny was able to posture up on the back and start hammering away at Mike. On, on Melee, it was unbelievable watching the fight live, I was no way Magni can pull this one off from this position, and when uh, derailing the high train can they, in front of the k- hometown uh, it's crazy, Mag. I mean there were hammer fists, uh, getting TKO'd by Neil is not a good look for your career, honestly it's honestly a really bad look it's just it's terrible, now losing a Udita to Magni, that, a Swift Sigma Magni, that happened Submission, you know, doesn't happen too much, but it's acceptable. Now TKO to Magny, uh, it's it's just not a good look. All right, now finally we're going to take a look at the main event: DDP versus Strickland. Where Drakus won by split de- split decision. Now, straight up looking at the fight on site, now I had Sean in one three five. I rewatched the fight twice and I, I had him one 3 five and every time. Actually no. The first time I watched it I had one two five Strickland. I and then this two in the second and third time I watched the fight, I had one three five Sean Strickland. Three, two and four, Dracus. Now when you're looking at the stats, you maybe just look up Strickland versus DuPlusis significant strikes or stats. And you look at oh wow the striking total's pretty even. But what I don't like about that is you just look at the stats. Is an inside kick that does no damage counts the same as a right hand or an uppercut that that clearly hurts the opponent. Now it won't on the judges, but it's hard to decipher from the stats. So just looking at it, rounds one we had Sean Sean just pumping that jab. Drake obviously got the takedown, but did nothing with it. Sean pumped that jab heavily. And he looked good. He looked good in round one. Honestly, after round one, I think a lot of people were thinking Sean was really going to dominate this fight. It it was just it it just looked like he was he's really starting to tee off. Then in round round two, in round two, DDP made made the adjustments and he looked good. Round two he got got takedown strike, and the strikes were close. Even strikes in round two, where DDP only round he actually outstruck him, and DDP lands the takedown. See in that moment with the takedown deciphers the close round, you give it to DDP in round two, nineteen nineteen. Round three, Drakus did not shoot for a takedown. This This round was clearly on the feet. Now I think a big moment in the round was was Sean and Drakus' eyes started to close, and I mean pumping that jab. It seemed like Sean really won that round. I mean, it the round was very even and. Drake's blitzes weren't doing anything, in my opinion. I mean, he was blitzing and throwing wild shots. But this didn't seem like he was really doing anything. Maybe overhands, but his overhands weren't landing. He was landing kicks. He was landing some kicks. A lot of body kicks. Maybe, I, mean, I don't know if he landed a head kick in round three. But to me, it seems Sean just outboxed him. He threw his jab with his two behind it. Very good. I mean, as uh, Daniel Cormier said in that round, he was, I think it would have been really good to see Sean start to throw two jabs, maybe double jab. I mean, I think that really could have thrown off the timing of Drakus instead of just throwing that one jab, two, one jab, two, one jab, uh, push kick, two jab, jab. I mean, I would love to see the jab, 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 kick. Maybe two upstairs, maybe even a hook. But round four was, I mean, probably the one one of the biggest rounds of the fight as. Watching it live, I, and I still don't really know where I where I stand on this. But we saw in round four, Drakus cut Sean badly in two spots. Cut him like above on the forehead, and on and on on the other side of the forehead, and on the, on the eye. Blood was gushing down. But I I'm I tried to watch it slowly. I really can't tell if that was a headbutt or a or just an elbow with a clean right hand behind it. That really decided the round right there. I mean, Drake is did dominate the round, got a suplex takedown, and he just he dominated Sean in that round. Sean really didn't have an answer. I think he was I think Sean was honestly a bit surprised. Because I've watched I've watched Strickland fight since I've watched Strickland fight since about the Pereira fight. I've watched every single fight. And he's never blood he's blood from his nose. But I think that, that kinda decided him seeing his own blood, I think changed the round for him a bit. And he kind of gave up once he got taken down. I wouldn't call Sean freaking giving up, but he gave the round up is what I'm trying to say. Then round five, this was an exciting round to me. Sean started really to club his shot, Don, as Don Cruz said. Started to club his shot, going overhand. And to see, it looked like in the final 30 seconds, he actually did wobble Drakus. And he said to hit him hard. I mean, I thought Sean was actually going to put put him down for a second. And... And then the second that round, I mean, I was, I was like, damn, we. Sean said we were gonna get a war, and we got a war. in like, my opinion, so far fight of the year. But when right when that fight ended, I knew for a fact that was going to be a split decision. Fight. I mean, son and I guess fifty forty five Drakus, whatever you want, but but DDP won and is now the champ. Now, if we do some MMA math. Or no, not no, no. I mean I Emma. Mean, let's play matchmaker. Let's start off with the winners. Drakus should fight Izzy now, either at three hundred, or international fight week. But I think what could also just be, and this could probably break the record for most attendance and even or even live gate, is Izzy versus Drakus duosies in at in on a UFC Africa card, first ever card in Africa. They they could probably sell at a rugby stadium, hundred thousand people. Uh, then I would say Magny, Magny. Uh, I would I would like actually like to see, maybe him fight Holland or MVP if they lose, just so they could get one of those guys back in the win column. Obviously, there he said Magny versus Holland. Loser cuts the, loser cuts the hair off. Now for Mosar, I, I'm kind of in a weird spot because, the top of the division's booked, and then. He, so I could maybe see him versus Joss Emmett, maybe him versus Giga, him versus even though Caters, but ma- him versus the winner of Aljo versus Cater for the for number one for a title shot, um, but or or the winner maybe of Ortega versus Yagir, or the loser of that fight. Uh, I'm, I'm that's what I think for him. Now for the losers, Sean. Sean Strickland versus Hamza, I think, is a guaranteed fight to make. That five-round co-main event, you could run it back with Drakus, but Adana said he doesn't want to. I mean, how are you going to say Sean won the fight and then say right after, same sentence, we're not going to run it back, though? If if you think Sean won the fight, why are you not running it back? I think that fight probably did sell pretty good. so. But Sean versus Hamza in Abu Dhabi, Actually, now that I think about it, there is an Abu Dhabi or Dubai, you no know, Saudi Arabia fight night, and they push back. Why not? Why not Hamzat versus Strickland for the main event of the fight night? Why can't we do that? I mean, everyone lo- seems to love Hamzat over there, and but now that I think about it, we cannot send Sean Strickland to Saudi Arabia. Sean Strickland may be killed. Maybe. There may be a reward, dead or alive, for Sean Strickland after what he would say about Du about Dubai. I mean, it would probably get really ugly about what he thinks. He would probably. I mean, we know that Dubai. Sometimes I'm not gonna actually. I'm not even gonna make a comment on that. Uh, but I would love to see them maybe in a five round co main or as I said, Saudi Arabia. Allen, I think, should fight the loser of Sterling versus Cater. Actually, I really wouldn't want to see him versus Sterling. I would like to see him versus the that, that rematch against Cater's Kater, towards ACL in that one. Or the uh, loser, as I said, loser Yair Ortega. I think that would be a great fight. Because I still think Allen is a A-tier featherweight. He lost to Holloway. Everyone loses to Holloway. I think he's an A-tier fighter. So I think that would be great to see him versus the loser. And then... And then now I just want to take a quick look at the divisional round of the playoffs, as this is pretty late. But Lamar Jackson's in the Ravens, dismantled the Texans. Kickers, ah, man, kickers got a lot of death threats this weekend. Struggled heavily, Andy Carlson missing 41. And and leaving the door open for the 49ers, to go down and score a touchdown. And then the Chiefs took on the Bills. Great game. I, I really like that game. And we saw... Tyler Bass, after now he's deleted his social media, uh, fans can be harsh, but he's got to take it, but he shanked, sliced a field goal, and that's that's the season right there, no matter what you did in the season, you could have had he could have kicked fifteen game winners this season he missed he missed the big one, so it doesn't matter and and Mahomes and the chiefs will be taking on the Ravens and we'll see the line 29ers. Early predictions, kind of late predictions. I have Lamar taking doing what he does, showing why he's one of the best in the NFL, beating Taylor Swift and the Chiefs, and then I have then I have Jared Goff being the hero of Detroit. Carrying carrying the Lions over the 49ers in a great game. Thank you all for listening. And on the next episode, I'll be talking about the breakdown of UFC 298. And what does a win for Volk do? Is it is it Mount Rushmore? Is it GOAT status? I think, I don't know. Is, to, is Toporia good enough to be the man that finally beats Volk at featherweight after so many have tried and failed? I guess we'll see. But thank you all for listening. Have a great day.